Lovewell Creative, in partnership with Crosswalk Church, presents the Sacred Echo Podcast. In this podcast, we'll hear from the teaching team from Crosswalk Church about the upcoming sermon series, sermons, how they process, about faith, life, love, and friendship as well. For more information on Crosswalk Church, go to www.crosswalkvillage.com. Hey, welcome in, everybody. We are here in the Sacred Echo podcast. I've got Pastor Patty McCoy with me and Pastor um, Dave Ferguson. Um, I'm getting a bunch of emails all at the same time. Like As soon as I started this, my computer just started to lose its mind. Um, so anyway, sorry about that. Um, it's my home security system telling me that it solved all the problems it had, but it's giving me 14 emails. That's worthless. I apologize, everyone. What a wonderful <laughs> way to start a to start a podcast. Uh, Dave, Patty, how are you guys doing? Dave, I'm going to ask you first. Oh, we're doing great. We are in the excited ramp up to our anniversary weekend, fifth year anniversary. And so <clears throat> all kinds of extra projects. We're looking forward to you coming out, Tim, this weekend to join us. Yeah. Uh, so it's, it's, uh, it's bustling with excitement. Well, bustling. I like that. Yeah. Bustling. Uh, Patty, are you bustling? Uh, I don't think I'm, I don't think I'm bustling, um, but I'm good. I, I, I'm not sure what would categorize for me as bustling, but, uh, no, yeah, we, we're great. We just had a, a good weekend here at Portland, uh, had a, our first trunk or treat for kiddos mm-hmm. in the community, had tons of community people out. Um, and, uh, so a, a huge success. And I realized having been in uh, college ministry for so long that this was the first time uh, I was a part of a anything related to Halloween where I didn't have to say what costumes weren't allowed. Uh, you know, sharp things, anything that looks like a gun, anything, you know, it was just kiddos dressed up and they were having a good time and, and it was great. So that's, that's awesome. We used to do a trunk or treat. We haven't done it since COVID. Um, and we used to have like 3000 people that would show up. It was honestly, it was mm more than we could manage most of the time. We actually did it with the church that was renting with us active church at the time was renting. Um, and so it was a good, good little, good little relationship and, uh, an amazing, an amazing event. Those are great. So I'm glad you yeah. guys, glad you did that. Patty. Yeah. Good job. Yeah. Good job. Just, just ways of trying to make sure that our, you know, and I know that all of our crosswalk families, uh, you know, think about this is, is how are we engaged in our community? How do people, see us how do we show up um you know and so we just keep trying to build that um build that trust level uh, mm-hmm. which yeah. i think is is important so yeah wonderful That's good wonderful we're in our second week of um no yeah second week we're in the second week of our uncomfortable series season two and last week we talked about uncomfortable people and this week we are talking about uncomfortable worship one of the reasons why we're talking about that is that um, here at Redlands, we have the opportunity to have our brand new worship arts pastor um, speaking, Taylor Bartram, um, speaking about it. So we're excited to have him. However, I've actually just written a sermon on this for our sites, um, and I'll be preaching that today. So um, it's an interesting topic, I think. And um, what a, there's no better place to talk about uncomfortable worship than a Seventh-day Adventist church. sorry had to be done yeah yeah had to be done it's it's uh what was i i think i was sharing this with you tim i hadn't heard the phrase before the frozen chosen 
Um, Frozen Chosen. But, uh, I had I had someone describe uh, their congregation that way. It was a pastor who said that in their first Sabbath at the church, you know, he, he's very, you know, emotive and excited and passionate as he preaches. And everybody's just sitting there staring. And uh, he was told after that, that they were the frozen chosen. They don't move. They don't speak. (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah, if I'm honest, I, uh, because I think there's something, uh, you know, I don't know if it's in part my Scottish heritage or if if it is all the years of uh, kind of enculturation, but I look on with envy, if I'm honest, to those who are uh, find it easier to worship with uh, freedom um, in terms of, for instance, their hands. I I, I start over analyzing if there's any movement in my body, <laughs> and I look on with envy um, a bit um, to for for that kind of freedom. I, additionally, I'll just be honest too. As a as a young youth director, I did take up guitar just as a self defense against hand motions at camp. <laughs> but um, <laughs> yeah, I was well aware that for many years I was like one of the only youth or young adult people that didn't know how to play guitar. I was very. Well, uh, it's reminding that me makes that you a basis. prime candidate to lead Father Abraham. If I'm just honest right. about it, <laughs> Pat, you, I, stuck, you, know, you stuck to that too. You like didn't even you wouldn't even. Yeah, no, good for you. No, I don't, I don't, I don't do that stuff. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I would say in turn, and I, I actually, we're all tall people uh, on yeah, this podcast, yeah. and so I, I would say it's not like we can we can hide, so to speak, if, if we're talking about how we engage in worship, like we're going to be noticed by others because, you know, of, uh, because of our height. And what I've found for me is that for me to truly be in the room, especially, especially at church, because we have so many different responsibilities and and things we're thinking about in the morning. But for me, I've got to, I've got to close my eyes. Um, When I close my eyes, I can be more present in the room. And then I'm not, I'm not thinking about, you know, what what people are thinking or how they're processing or what they're doing around me. I'm just able to be in the moment to to sing the lyrics of a of a song to to really kind of engage in a different way. So that's one of the things that I found for for me helps. But hmm. you know, if I'm honest about it, I find it less uncomfortable to weep in worship mm-hmm. than to <laughs> raise my hand. So what's that about? I don't know. Hmm. I, admittedly it's man weeping right so it's not like i'm just convulsing it's like could be that single tear draining down the <laughs> cheek but still i it feels so good to feel in worship right but i but the yeah anyway i hmm. i struggle with that and look on with envy honestly um to those there's something about it that makes me a little worried about being clo- kind of close-fisted um holding on to comfort zones and, you know, right. I just, even that act of opening your hands somehow is a, there's, there's, there is something, I mean, as we, as we think about what the Bible says about worship, that is um, um, like abandoning yourself to, um, to your insecurities to God, right. That is, can be difficult. Yeah, I you know when you read that to to worship the Lord your God with all your your heart your your soul your might your strength, um, mm-hmm. you know it's it's I I feel like I didn't actually experience that 
you know, and, and Tim, you hit it with the first comment about in, in the Adventist, you know, kind of setting and culture. It's not, um, I, I think it's, it's, it's getting out there a little more, but we've been typically closed off and very intellectual and, um, you know, not as emotive in our responses uh, to worship. But I think it was a, it was a concert in college. Um, and not all of our listeners will know this, but um, the audio adrenaline guys, mm. that's, uh, that's the concert it was. And I just, for the first time in my life, I really just felt like I worshiped with all of my strength. Hey. Um, and it was a beautiful thing. I mean, I was exhausted afterwards. Right. Um, you know, that if, from worshiping. Uh, and, and it was so, I felt so much more alive in the moment, so much more connected to what was happening. Um, and it was in a community. So it was with other people that were doing similar things. Um, yeah. that. but I, I was, you know, in my twenties before I experienced that. So, so here's the other irony, Patty, is the most common pictures taken of me while preaching. I'm standing there with my arms <laughs> wide open. Dude, dude, I've noticed that those, there's a lot of those. Yeah, there are. I can't like, I feel, see it. every single one since you've been hired at Crosswalk has been. I you. don't understand it because I don't think I just walk around that way. But and well, maybe, I find it so hard to get my arms. Well, maybe I do. I find it so hard to get my arms out anywhere near there in you know to music. What is that about? I don't know. <laughs> I, to, preaching. I'm not a quiet. I'm not a, a still person. Um, but I think it's an interesting thing in the idea of uncomfortable worship that we do tend to end up having our own personal safe approaches, right? And for some people, it's to make sure, you know, worship ought to be quiet. Um, worship ought to be head bowed. Worship ought to be eyes closed. For others, it can be very loud and 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 hands up. And um, I think... <clears throat> um, I think we make up those recipes in ways that God does not. Oh, I think I think that's probably true. But my experience with worship is is pretty different, I think, than than your guys's. Um, from a sense of, um, I started leading leading worship pretty early on because I did play guitar, not because I wanted to be a youth pastor. Um, that came later, <laughs> um, but. Um, I began to lead worship and I began to lead worship outside of the Adventist church pretty, you know, pretty, pretty consistently. And, um, as I began to do that, I began to experience people, um, who were actually worshiping, right. Demonstrative, demonstratively worshiping and, um, felt like it was such a miss from our, from our reality. And so I think ever since then, mm -hmm. I've been involved in ministries that have a tendency to create that space for people to worship um, emotionally and, and demonstratively, as well as create some space for the Holy Spirit, which I don't know. I mean, I grew up in a very high church, right? La Sierra University Church with the choir and organ and the whole deal. I think Donald Vaughn, the guy who um, played the organ, made the organ. Like, so it was mm. like, it was a thing. Like, I think he built it himself. So it was, you know, it was high church. We'd all sit through the end very thoughtfully so he could do the postlude because it was always a, a moment. Um, and I always, I got, I got used to really loud music then because it was loud. Like when people are like, your music's too loud. I'm like, go hear an organ, dude. They're crazy. Um, right. So, so um, for me, I've been involved in this world for a really long time. And um, I think the first time I saw people raise hands was a uh, promise keepers. Um, 
like really raise hands. And you could tell, you know, at a Promise Keepers, you could kind of tell who was what. Like, you know, the moment the music starts, all the AG guys, all the Assembly of God, you know, their hands were up immediately. Um, right. Kind of the mainstream denominations were like, what is happening? What is, why is, why is no one in a right. robe? You know, all the, Anglican, <laughs> all the Anglicans and Presbyterians. Um you know, all the all the non-denoms were like varying degrees of uh, open hands up, you know, past the shoulders. Avenus just stood there uncomfortably. Uh, first of all, wondering if we should be in a group of other Christians, not sure if that's safe or not. And then secondly, whether or not um, they should somehow engage in worship. And then you always had that one guy in the Avenist world who like would sneak out to a Sunday church every now and again because they just needed a different right. worship experience. And out of Promise Keepers, like he was, he was... Uh, Sticking out like a sore thumb, thumb amongst the Avenus, <laughs> for sure. Um, kind of raising the roof yeah. with his hands. So, well, of so for me, like for me, it's I've been involved in this world for a really long time, and not much makes me uncomfortable. However, I've been in a few situations, like leading in some um, Pentecostal churches, where it got different. I'll say that. Yeah. Well, it's kind of the interesting thing that you know, for for years and years and years, we've had these kind of worship culture wars, right? Uh, I was a youth director in a very conservative conference, the Pennsylvania Conference. Um, we were trying to decide whether, you know, our God is an awesome God is appropriate for camp meeting youth <laughs> tent, you know, this kind of thing. And um, was encouraged to go to a youth specialties conference for the first time I'm going. And of course, I have all the conversations which I think are often born of a good enough place, but they can go wildly awry, right? Uh, kind of evaluating and judging other people in terms of how they worship. And the great concern of um, of worship somehow becoming be about yourself and that that's what right. is showy, it's this kind of thing. And so my first youth specialties conference, and this was back in 1994, when so many of the roles that, if for anybody who's familiar, this National Youth Workers Conference, so many of the roles that were filled were filled by volunteers, just people who said, yeah, I'll right. come a week early and I'll do this work for you. And so the cameras were manned sometimes not by a tech team that was hired and paid, but sometimes by people who had been doing this for years out of their the goodness of their heart. And I remember looking over and seeing, and I knew this one person was a volunteer because I'd seen him standing in line to get seats at another one of the, <laughs> of, the, of the events. And so here he is manning the camera and the red light is on. So his is the active live camera and worship is going on. And he's standing there with his head in the hood, but pulled back just far enough that from my angle, as he sings at the top of his lungs with one hand in the air, one hand on the camera controls and tears are streaming down his face. And I remember thinking to myself, how wildly inappropriate would it be to judge this person's worship? He's giving of himself. He's not looking at anybody else even possibly looking at him. And it just con convicted me, man, we just can't be judging other people's worship. And I think scripture is, gives some examples. It's, you're, you're entering into a very dangerous place when you start judging other people's worship. Right. Well, and I, I think too, it's easy for us to think about worship and, um, you know, uh, in, in singing, right. And, in, in, in that yeah. kind of, um, atmosphere, there's, there's other ways we, we worship. Um, and I, you know, as, as someone who leads out, you know, as, as we all do, like, I always think about, um, how we say, you know, maybe coming into or out of the sermon, you know, we're like, well, thanks for worshiping with us now. 
we're going to do this teaching thing or, you know, join back with us as we enter back into worship. But really the whole experience is, is an offering, right? The whole experience is worship. So if I, if I think about what makes me uncomfortable in worship, maybe I'm less uncomfortable with the idea of raising my hands than I used to be. Um, but maybe for me, it's, it's silence in worship. Mm-hmm. It's, it's thoughtful reflection in worship. It's other, other ways we worship that can get uncomfortable for me or push me out of my comfort zones. Right. Um, you know, and that, so I just think it's, it's important as we, as we talk and, and process the idea is letting people know worship isn't just the singing part, um, right. of, of what we do. Right. 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 That's good. I found myself thinking a little bit um, in terms of uncomfortable worship. What is it that makes God uncomfortable? What are the what are the moments God would say I'm uncomfortable with this worship? Um, because that kind of was the origin of those conversations in some of our faith communities. Is God's God does not like right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this or that, but the Bible does talk about stuff God does not like in worship. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Malachi one, where <clears throat> God is quoted as saying, "The way you're worshiping right now, I would rather we shut the temple doors, just mm-hmm. shut it down." And and what it is that's going on is in the process of of worship through the sacrificial system, He had asked them to give their best, give their fullest, give their best lamb, go find their best lamb. But they were in the practice, <clears throat> as is told in Malachi 1, you know what, I've got, I've got these lambs and I've got a blind lamb. It's not going to get as much at market. You can't tell it's blind. If I can just carry this blind lamb to, to the altar, you don't even know. <clears throat> Looks great. <laughs> Looks like it could be my best. And so I'm giving you something less than my best. And God says, do you think, do you think I'm pleased with your crippled lamb, your blind? No, let's just shut it down. Let's not have church at all. If mm. that's what, if you're giving something less than your, your fullest. And I, th- I think, for instance, about Jesus' defense of, of the woman who breaks the alabaster box of ointment across mm. his feet, and, mm. and uh, he seems to defend the extravagant, passionate gift of worship even often when no one else seems to understand it, and he seems to decry half-hearted, just I'm doing this because it's the custom and I'm trying to get mm. in and out kind of mm. approach. Mm. Yeah, it's often the it's often the spirit of the heart that he would be judging, you know, and saying like, look, if you're you're not really in this. I mean, the the temple court is another one with Jesus, right? It's a the the temple court was the only place that the Gentiles could engage in any kind of, you know, worship or contact. And, and yet they had turned it into a market. So good luck. Uh, I I even read commentaries that said you couldn't even hear yourself think, let alone, you know, pray or try to connect with God in that space. And so, um, you know, yeah, it was, it was trying to clear the, clear the way. And, and look, there's a, there was a guy, um, that I worked with at a previous church, just the salt of the earth kind of guy. He gave so much, he, he sacrificed so much for helping create a good worship experience. And, and I asked him at one point, I said, you know, his name's Alan and he'd been doing this his, his whole life, uh, both in the Adventist church and in other churches. 
uh, just helping people create spaces for worship. And, and I said, man, you give so much to this, uh, you know, and, and he used the line that he said, well, I wouldn't, um, I, I don't want to offer God something that doesn't cost me something. Like, I don't, hmm. I don't want to give something that's cost me something. And I thought, man, that's such a great attitude. Um, you know, what a great line. And I was like, oh, that's from scripture. Right. Um, right. <laughs> like, I don't know. I don't know if you guys ever have those moments once in a while. Um, you know, yeah. And, uh, and yeah, from, uh, something that David said that he wasn't going to give, um, God something that didn't cost him something. Right. Um, and, and that, and that's a, that's a powerful way to think about, you know, are we, when we come into, to worship, is it about us? Is it about our preference? Is it about what we are going to get out of it? Are we coming to offer something to God? Um, you know, what is the, what is the posture of our hearts as we enter into, you know, the worship space? Um, and, uh, and I think that's a, man, yeah, I, I think a lot of it, even with the worship wars, right. It was a lot about preference. Well, I like this. I don't like that. I want more of this. I don't want more of that. Um, and we do surveys, you know, what do you like? What do you not like? And, and then it's all about us. Um, instead of recognizing that we, we come to worship the God of the universe. Yeah. What is what does he want out of this? <laughs> yeah, that one of the phrases that I kind of rebel against and having been involved with youth ministries, there is often a concern. I think it can be an appropriate concern, but a concern that feels sometimes inordinate that hey, all they care about is entertainment, which mm-hmm. drives me a little battery because um that's about the only context in which the word entertain would be considered a bad thing. Um, it's, it's hard to turn it into a bad thing. I get it when we deprioritize the, the highest priorities mm-hmm. over self-interest. That I think is a deep concern, but with regularity, you'll hear somebody say, well, yeah, the young people I want to do this praise band or whatever. They, they just care about entertainment, um, while defending that the most expensive piece of the room that we're in is the organ sitting in the front of the you know, right. It's like that, that's just as much entertainment, which again, I'm, I think we, we want to entertain in all the ways that word is positive. Um, but, um, but it, it's so easy for us to lose sight of the fact that what we're really talking about is I prefer this. Right. Well, we never hear that in, in Crosswalk. We, we never hear anything about, uh, you know, us just caring about the show. Or the experience, right? We we never get that critique, um, which is always fascinating to me. Um, you know, because again, um, it's it's the idea. You can ask that same person, "What was the last concert you went to? Um, and did you enjoy it? And how much did you pay to go?" Uh, you know, oh well, but th- that's different. Um, is it right? <laughs> um, right. Listen, I've worked well, with lots of music directors, high church. Um, contemporary, whatever, modern, uh, they're all the same. Mm-hmm. They're all the same. And it's not bad. Um, I mean, some are snobbier than others about the certain type. I mean, actually, they're all snobby, just about their preference. Um, in Jesus, I love them. I love them. We need them. Um, but, but, and listen, I've been on the front lines of the, of the, worship wars for years i may have played in a christian rock band in the early 2000s late 90s and early 2000s like i i've been through it i've i've taken the bullets but um you know 
I remember when somebody asked at Crosswalk why we um why we chose the music that we did, and I was just like, what? Like I didn't understand the question. It was such a weird question to me. And they're like, yeah, why'd you tr- choose the music? Is that because it's going to bring in the young people and this and that? And I was like, you know, we never chose the music. It was just relevant to our experience. I've written music like this. I've, you know, I've, I've written worship songs. We didn't think, oh man, we'll get more people if we do this. It's not a marketing ploy. It's just a relevant expression of who we are. Um, and that's, it's not a relevant expression of who everyone is, just to be clear. Right. Um, right. and once I, I, what I love doing is I love releasing people from having to like it. Um, they'll be like, I don't, I don't like the music. And I'm like, great. That's awesome. You don't have to, yeah. it's not for you then. Yeah. And that's fine. Yeah. Uh, right. but you know, the community is great. So if you can suffer through 15 minutes of that at the front end, then you're fine. Mm-hmm. Like you'll get, mm-hmm. you'll get yeah. through it. And just the releasing them of having to mm. believe that it's okay. Not even that it's okay. Having to believe they're supposed to like it. And then every once in a while they come back after a few months and they're like, I get it. I get it. I don't know if I like it, but mm-hmm. I get it now. What's going on? It's mm. because, you know, something finally touched them and something finally got to yeah. them. Um, I love working in a church where we don't have those music wars anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Cause it's, it's not, no, I mean, I think one of the misnomers that I, I'm sure you guys hear this too, but you get, Oh, you guys are that young adult church, <laughs> um, you know, because of the style. Right. But that's the, just the, the, that's just code for relevant. That's all that is in the avenue. Well, world. yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but you know what? What's so interesting to me is that there are plenty of people that come that you can tell that this is not their first language in worship, um, the contemporary, and and that's not their first language. But they're really drawn to you know what we're about. They're drawn to the mission. They're drawn to that this is not about preference. This is about our offering. This is about Jesus. This is about you know what we feel called to do in Him, and this is one of the ways we express that. Um, so I think that that transcends style. Um, and I think no. that that's part of the problem um, in some of our, our churches is that it's because we're still trying to figure out if it's, you know, the style that gets people in the door. It's not. It's Jesus. It's the, right. it's yeah. the message that, of hope. Um, yeah. yeah. With that comment, that, that idea, um, I, I would love to have this as a figurative thing I would ever do, right? But that somebody has that concern and I get the opportunity to walk them to a specific chair in Crosswalk Chattanooga and sit down next to this gentleman in his 80s who has come back to church after 40 years of disconnection. And to just ask him, because it's not the music, that's for sure, that he's back here for. And this is an interesting thing that makes me think. Um, what what he would tell you caused him to come back was he could see and tell. He happened into this space because of another event that was happening, and he watched the people, and he could feel love. He could see love. And it makes me wonder the role of love in worship, right? That that loving other people well. And it, it starts to get into that question of whether you can actually fully worship just alone. Um, right. Right. No, there's a, there's a, there's a corporality to uh, mm-hmm. corporality. There's a corporate. I knew what you meant at least. Yeah. I don't know if corporality <laughs> means that, but well, um, you're heading into almost like corporal punishment or something. Right. Yeah. No, that's what I thought it sounded like. So, um, and some worship services I've been through are <laughs> corporate punishment, corporal punishment, but um, no, listen, there's something, uh, there's a quote, there's a quote um, that I used this week. Uh, let me find it here. 
there's a quote that I used this week that I think is appropriate. It's from, um, it's from, let me see here. I gotta put this on. Uh, it's from a guy named Don Whitney in his book, Spiritual Disciplines. It says, there's an element of worship in Christianity that cannot be experienced in private worship or by watching worship. There are some graces and blessing that God gives only in meeting together with other believers. And I think that's really true, right? There's something about being in the room. And what people don't understand is that there's, you know, there's a lot of discussion between volume and this and that. You can't be too loud that nobody can hear themselves or else they won't sing. You can't be too quiet that they hear themselves too much or they will sing, you know, or they won't sing. Like you have to find kind of a sweet spot, 90 to 93 decibels, I think is about the right spot where people can experience worship and yet they can engage in worship. And once you're engaged and you see the people around you, there's something powerful about that. There's something about the movement of the Holy Spirit that we allow space for um, in the way that we worship. And that's uncomfortable too, right? It's uncomfortable to become emotional about these songs and these moments that we have when the Holy Spirit really moves. I remember when my dad was dying, man, all of a sudden those songs were different. You know what I mean? Mm. Yeah. Hmm. They were just a whole different world to experience. And it was beautiful, but it was, you know, it was painful. It was all of that. Um, And then there's moments like, and it's funny. It's funny. I can be sitting in a room, standing in a room, worshiping, and it's fine, whatever. It's great. Um, But then there's a moment where you're like, oh, there there it is. Yeah. The Holy Spirit just, for me, somehow... This is the moment, and I can tell the difference between before it and after it, right? Mm. Yeah. Um, and when and when that happens, it's something so <laughs> just a thumbs up, man. Just a so beautiful. Um, uh, it's gorgeous, right? It's it's an right. amazing moment, and you know, I and I'll, I'll without any apologies, man. I hunt after those things. I seek yeah. those moments because they're, in my opinion, they're amazing and they're super Im- important. <laughs> they're super important in our lives. Right. Yes. And I think, and I'm thinking right now about that person who's listening right now has found their way to this podcast, has found other podcasts of ours, have been watching online and worshiping, um, and is wondering if maybe the safe safest thing, especially as compared to being around uncomfortable people, uh, would be to worship in my home, not make it to a local community. And uh, th- there is a there is a a context that is missing that Christ cares about. That is a difference maker. That is evangelistic. Right? It is winsome for the cause of God. I think about, um, and I I ran into this. Um, this teaching, and then start digging around in in some of the context with with some of the commentaries. But in Acts, this incredible explosive growth of the church and what it was that was going on. You you go to Acts chapter two and that section forty two through forty seven. It ends with this notion that the Lord added to their numbers daily those who were being saved. But if you back up the most the 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 phrase right before it says that the people were praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And I've not fully unpacked what that means and what that has to do with the multiplication of God's family. But there is something that can't be done. It, you know, for earlier in that same little passage, it talks about the 
the teaching of the apostles, the breaking of bread and, and this awe and wonder, the miraculous signs, the people being together and, and, and holding things in common. Uh, but it also says that they continued to meet together in the temple courts and they broke bread in their homes. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you can read that fast enough to make it sound like it's the same thing. It definitely is not. Right. Um, uh, some commentators suggest you could have up to 250,000 people. You, you had a lot of Jerusalem uh, Christians, and that all of the Christians in Jerusalem could have met in the temple courts on a weekend um, through their services, uh, which is an amazing possibility, right? But there's something powerful that leads to this explosive growth that includes experiencing the favor of all the people, right? together that can't be had in your home. And so if you're wondering about that, I think you should you owe it to yourself to experiment with corporate worship in a community that that um, that worships well. Well, and I think, yeah, Dave, um, you're absolutely right. It's, it's really good to think about, Tim, you said it, it, there's nothing like being in the room. And I think that that's one thing we really experienced in COVID, right, is that we didn't, we weren't able to gather in the room. And and yes, there are there are people that have not gone back to the room. They've just stayed online, um, which, you know, I, I, yeah, everybody's got their story and their reason for that. But there is nothing like being in a room where you can, with other people, also worshiping, hearing voices, you know, hearing someone like you, you don't have to sing. You can just be in the moment. You can hear the voices around you or, um, you know, just being in the room. It's such a different energy. And, and experience. And you can hear, you know, like we can get content digitally from all sorts of places. So, right. you know, podcasts and, and YouTube and just listening to sermons, that's, that's great. Um, but being in a room with others as we worship, I think is, is what we were designed for. And right. there is really nothing quite like it. And, and as many, you know, I think Crosswalk, especially it's done such a great online experience, but it's still different when you're in a room with people and you get to experience that. And I think Dave, that idea of enjoyment is also really important um, because yeah, if we're not having a good time, (laughs) if we're not loving what we're doing, if we're not, you know, enjoying each other and, and what this is all about, then yeah. Why would anybody else want to be a part of it? I I remember being asked at a, at a previous church, like uh, from, from deacons, you know, people that are serving the church and, and just making sure it's it's ready every week and doing some of the behind the scenes work. And they wanted me to get young adults um, excited about serving as deacons. And I said, well, you, you guys have got to be nicer people if you want <laughs> young adults. Like they just didn't come across as a group of people you want to hang out with, um, you know, and do life with. And so I think that that piece is really important. And, and it's something that you, you mentioned you specialties before. It was something Mike Iaconelli taught me is that mm-hmm. uh, I, could, I, could be my, I could be the person God created me, me to be as unique and weird and off the wall as that is sometimes. Um, uh, but I can do that and worship. And, uh, and it opened a whole new door for me as to how, you know, I enjoyed those opportunities. Um, it wasn't about playing a part. It wasn't about, you know, standing and, and, you know, in my suit and tie and looking like everybody else, it was being the person God called me to be in a space, in a moment and worshiping him freely. That's good. You know, when when my father went into ministry, he got a note from my mother's uncle, 
so his uncle in law, um, who was under secretary of the GC at the time, I believe. Um, and it was it was not the nicest note. It was basically you're you're not really qualified for ministry. Um, a lot of it had to do with the length of his hair, I believe. Um, so so Your dad had I long went, hair. Well, it wasn't long. I've seen pictures of him in the '60s. It was, you know, it was bushy. I suppose. <laughs> I don't think it was long, but he was probably wearing jeans too. You know, he was he was Rebel. singing a little Peter Paul and Mary now and again. You know, those kind of kind of things. If I had a hammer, hammer in the morning, like that kind of thing. Um, <laughs> he and my mom were big into that. Um, <laughs> So, so it it was not great. You know, it was kind of like, you're not, you're not, you're not, you know, you're disqualified from ministry because of the way you are. Um, mm-hmm. And, and these were high church people, just to be clear, like my, my parents have always loved singing in choirs and organ and classical music, all that kind of thing. Um, it's interesting. I, I was playing music in clubs and that sort of thing before I got called into ministry. And so obviously I had to give that up when I, got a call to go into ministry, go to seminary to begin. I got a letter from um from my father's uncle in law's son, so my second cousin, um, who happened to be a president of one of our universities at the time. And he um he sent me a note and and affirmed all the things that were different about me. Um, music, the music I played, the way I looked, the way I dressed, all those types of things, and said, that's why we need you in ministry. And Mm. that really shaped my understanding of how I could approach worship and how I could approach worship experiences and that sort of thing. Weirdly, because he just affirmed who I was personally, Mm. and that allowed me to take who I was into worship. And it actually solidified, because going into ministry, there was a lot of, like, you, you're <laughs> you're going to be a pastor? I'm like, yeah, I guess so. I'm like, are you sure? Are you sure that's good for any of us? Um hopefully after 25 years or whatever it's played out okay, but um but it really that really solidified in me the idea that you know, when I pr- approach the throne of grace, be it through corporate worship or private worship, I'm going to do it in my own skin. And I, yeah. I, there's just not enough time in this life to be somebody else. And I think that's true of worship as well. And I say this to church. I said it last week, um, actually, in church. Like, hey, nobody's taking attendance. If this is not your place, don't come. Go find, go find the place that is your place that makes you comfortable, that makes you feel like you're closer to God. It, it's not going to be every single church because every single church is different and the way that we worship is different. This is how we've, um, you know, we've fallen in. This is what we've fallen into and we believe that it's appropriate for us and we're not going to apologize for it. Um, we're also not going to make you like it if you don't want to like it. That's fine too, but you're welcome to be here. Um, you're just not welcome to complain and spend all your time unhappy because church, like I said, you know, what you quoted, Dave, you know, about what was going on in the first century, why in the world would we be anything but that? Right. Um, yeah. If we're going to be unhappy in worship, if we're going to be unhappy in church, um, find another place to be happy. God does not, I believe, want us to be unhappy and just suffer through horrid. That's also why I think excellence is important. And I don't care what style you're talking about. Excellence is incredibly important. So you give people an experience that that imbues meaning into what they're sitting there watching and experiencing and being a part of. Um, so right. I, I don't know why right. I thought I'd tell you that story, but 
um but it it had more of an impact on me than i think and it was you know 30 mm. years ago or whatever well and i think too um you know we somehow we take we we turn worship into primarily a noun if we're not careful rather than primarily a verb it can be both right, right? but um i believe i can go anywhere and worship i can go into any group and worship there is a part of that that's just my responsibility, uh, the calling out of my heart in my relationship with God. That being said, um, there is an intention on God's part that we, um, trying to find a better word than vibe, <laughs> that we really are called out in worship, and and so it makes sense to go where that most naturally happens, and that. I will say too, I have been, I've found myself concerned at times that, um, that we make ourselves our most serious selves in worship sometimes. And, <laughs> and I think there are very serious things, but there is also meant to be such incredible joy. I love Psalm 16, verse 11, right? It says that in your presence, there is fullness of joy at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. The idea that the fullness of joy, every once in a while, I'll walk into a space and be worshiping and think to myself, would anybody believe that God was here if the test were that in this place, it is the fullness of joy, right? Um, and so I think um, that is a part of what we give um, that somehow immediately gives back in this joyous um, way. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I think... You know, it is, it, it really is about that, you know, when you're, when you're laughing, I, I think when David's dancing, um, you know, I think there's something about just letting go of, you know, the, the, the things in this world that have a tendency to hold us back and, and being ourselves in a moment, um, you know, having a good, I mean, man, I, there, there are times when I have been together with friends and we have just belly laughed that you get done with that. and and it's a similar feeling to worship, right? Like there's a connection um, yeah. to that, I think. And I think that that's really important and beautiful, um, you know, and I think that sometimes, yeah, there, there are those of us that feel like that's inappropriate somehow. It's not respectful. Um, but, oh man, I, I think, yeah, the, the, the joy in worship is, is so important. Um, and uh, yeah, I, I, that's, a, that's such a good point, Dave. Thank you for sharing that. Hmm. Yeah, good stuff. You know, there's. Yeah, go, go ahead, ahead, Tim. No, no, no. Go, uh, I was go. just, I was just going to say, <clears throat> there is this thing that that we fall prey to that that uh, emotion is bad. Right. Um, rational thinking is so much better. I, I I stumbled into some of the writings around how our brains work and where decision making is actually located and it's in the same it's in the part of our brain where emotion is located in fact demonstrating through different studies that if you remove the ability to feel emotion you remove the ability to make decisions hmm. think about that hmm. that there is no such thing as an unemotional decision hmm. it to decide you have to know at some level how you feel and um, which is a fascinating notion when it comes to the call of Christ and that there would be people that would show up in worship who are uncommitted, who have not decided, um, and whether it's a good thing or not, for people to feel something when they show up. It, it's required 
actually, to be able to make a decision for Christ. Right. No, I'm, I'm, man, I'm with you a hundred percent. There's, um, I think one of the reasons why we've been afraid of it is because um, we come from a modern worldview, particularly, um, that our church was kind of grown out of. So it's kind of process-oriented, right? So we can think our way into a better faith. We can um, we can argue our way into a better faith. I think that's the whole idea of like camp meetings originally were to, hey, we're going to argue. Our evangelism was let's go into town, um, basically, you know— um, ask the the local pastor for a theological duel. Nobody's got cable TV, so we're all going to do that this week. Um, spend a few nights making a better argument. And at the end of the day, everyone's convinced, believe the way we do, and is one of us. Um, and so I think we come from that, and we've been very nervous about manipulating people, which I do appreciate that. Um, I yeah. don't think we should we should manipulate. But on the other hand, um, we, we kind of drummed out the whole idea of, of experiential worship and emotional worship, which is crazy when you listen to the early, our early church parents and what they were doing. They were all crazy. They were getting the police called on them because they were going after it. Um, you know, that's how excited they were about what God was doing. So, yeah, and this is the problem between, you know, the, the, the difference between a movement and an institution, right? A movement mm-hmm. moves and an institution protects. And so we got very serious about and just for the record, the organizing principle of our institution is what we believe, not who we believe in. Mm. You know that, right? Yeah. Not to be provocative, and probably most people aren't listening to the end of this podcast anyway, because we're like forty-five <laughs> minutes right now. So, so I can say perfect way I want. to end. It's with the with I can the say whatever with the hammer I want. drop. Yeah. <laughs> right. But but I think that's true, and I think what that did is that for generations we told people that emotions were bad, and the only thing that was good is rational thought. Um, but man, I think that ignores the power of the Holy Spirit, and when we ignore the power of the Holy Spirit, watch out because that's when revival can't happen anymore. Right. Mm. Yeah, you have right. Jesus with Nicodemus. You, yeah. you can really only know the spirits there when you feel it move. You you can't see it. Right. Right. That's exactly right. And so I think that that kind of, you know, brings us to the point of uncomfortable, being uncomfortable in worship is probably okay a little bit. Um, and then just don't get weird. Can I just leave that <laughs> as a final note? Like, don't be weirdos. Don't be, don't be weirdly dancing on the side. I mean, it may be your thing, but like, if everyone's staring at you, maybe there's a reason because it's getting weird. I'm not a big what? fan of the flag things when people do that. That weirds yeah. me. Yeah, or or sticks. Have you seen sticks, sticks used? Yeah. That's a. We had a guy who would game. just who would just start playing harmonica from the from the congregation oh, at first. Oh, I had a sound just, guy that would pull out his. It. Yeah, he'd pull out his saw and start You're, playing with the worship band. Listen, yeah. <laughs> if it's a saw, though, come on, we should all stop and like pay well, homage to the fact that he can play the saw. No, dude, but, but it, it's amazing. It's a you know you take like a violin bow and you do oh, this yeah, thing and stuff. It's crazy, but it turns it turns anything into a country song. You um, you are so... throwing me back to my first church uh, as a as a young pastor, and I'm standing and it was one of these old churches non-Adventist church that we that was purchased then. So it was one of these churches where you came on the platform and you're staring directly across. You know, you're not facing the congregation. You're, you're going across and it's very formal front. And the 
first hymn goes, and I'm hearing this sound that I cannot figure out for the life of me. Turns out, dude in the second row whistles to all. I mean, I mean, it sounded like a saw, actually. Uh, and I could not figure out where it was coming from or what was happening, but that he was getting his praise on full whistle, yeah. well, <laughs> which was and, wild. You know, and yeah, it's so we've all had plenty, I think, of things that we've seen that, you know, are are funny and, and what people think. But here at the end of the day, you know, yeah, I, it's about who's the center of wor- your worship. You know, is it is it you? Is it the the church experience? You've elevated this style. You've elevated this right. way of doing it. That's more important. Or or is Jesus? I mean, I would say my own personal journey is that when really Jesus got put at the center of what how I lived and what I did, that's what made the biggest difference in my worship yeah. experience. And and suddenly it was no longer. I mean, if you looked at my playlist, you would be surprised at sometimes what I where I like to enter into worship. You know, it might mm. sound sometimes a little more traditional. Sometimes it might sound a little more contemporary. Right. It might, you know, whatever. But it's because this. It's not about the style. It's about who it's who it's for. Yeah, um, wholeheartedness. And, and when that is the uh, you know if when that's elevated to the right place, then man, there's so many different ways to worship and places and, and experiences and people, and it it opens up a whole new new way of of worship. Yep, I'm with you. All right, guys, I think that's a good a good moment for us to uh, stop. We appreciate you guys hanging out with us on the Sacred Echo. Um, if you'd like to give to support this podcast, we'd love you to do it through crosswalkvillage.com slash give. You can just give it to online. Uh, online, I think that would be good. Um, we appreciate we appreciate everything that you do. I appreciate you being a, a listener here. Make sure you check out all our services, whether they're online or at all of our different campuses. Um, Patty, Dave, thanks for hanging out. I don't know why you're laughing at me right now. I think I was... I was very professional in the way that I was doing that. I don't really appreciate I don't really appreciate the implication that I wasn't. So anyway, hey everybody, thanks for hanging out with us. Have a great day. And of course, love well. Thank you so much for joining us on the Sacred Echo podcast. This has been brought to you by Love Well Creative in partnership with Crosswalk Church. If you would like to give for more digital content, please go to www.crosswalkvillage.com/give and click on the online option under fund. Thank you so much for giving. Thank you so much for supporting. And thank you so much for being part of what God is doing through Crosswalk Church and Lovewell Creative.